0: we've been working our way through this idea that, that with discipleship, this path of discipleship, that the first step on that path is to want to pursue spiritual growth. So we talked about the fact that uh, we, we sometimes uh, cheer when we see in church someone really going on for God or when someone's really um, developing and deepening in their faith and we get really excited about that. And, and of course we do because that's an incredible thing. But that should be each of our own reality. We actually have the capacity, each of us, to be growing and developing in our faith. Uh, Because the spiritual walk, this path of discipleship that we're called to is a path of growth, of deepening and strengthening in our relationship with God. And so last week, Bethany kicked off the letter A of our acronym, which is about being aware of God's presence. area of our spiritual lives that we should be growing in is being aware of God's presence. And if you missed Bethany's message on prayer, it was such a practical um, message around how each of us can be growing in our prayer life, not just in the big things, which is often when we uh, really focus in on prayer, but in the little things in the day to day. And that was such an encouraging message. And so I would encourage you to uh, listen to that if you missed it. Today, we're looking at this idea of formation, and I, and I wonder whether this might be the least chosen aspect of the path, because if, if we're thinking, which God, which part of, of my faith walk of my, of my life do you want me to grow in, um, picking uh, evangelism or picking service or picking prayer are ones that we've all heard about, that we're all really familiar with, that we know practically what steps we can take uh, to grow. Formation, on the other hand, is, is probably maybe one of the least understood or, or uh, least uh, easy ones, if I can put it like that, to, to actually really practically know, God, what steps can I take to grow and to be more formed like you? And so I've put a simple definition up there on the screen, if that's a, a term that you're unfamiliar with or, or maybe you've heard it used in different contexts, but the idea of formation is this idea of becoming like Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Becoming like Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you might say, well, isn't that all of these things? Aren't we saying that we want to serve more like the way that Jesus served and we're um, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that, or we want to pray Um, Like Jesus taught us to pray, but be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. But this specifically is focused not on the outside, not on the practical outworkings of faith, but on the way that we are being formed and shaped from within. I encourage you, if you've got a Bible with you, to turn uh, to Matthew chapter 22. And we're going to look at, very briefly, we're going to start in this moment in the Gospel of Matthew, where the religious leaders are coming to Jesus trying to trip him up. I mean, if you, if you read the Gospels, you see this pattern over and over again. But what was happening here is that the Sadducees, one of the groups of, of Jewish rulers, had come to Jesus and they'd thrown a question at him in the verses before, um, and he had replied and he completely stumped them. In fact, the, the term that's used there in the Greek, is that he had uh, muzzled them effectively, like tied their mouths shut. They were so lost for words. They were so speechless. And these were people that weren't used to being speechless. And so the Pharisees, a competing group of Jewish leaders, uh, they saw that the Sadducees had been stumped by Jesus and they thought, this is our moment. They were going to double down. They were going to try and uh, defeat Jesus, try and show that he wasn't as wise or or, or as all-knowing as People believed he was. They were going to try and prove their superiority to the Sadducees. So they get together and they send one of their leaders up to Jesus. And it says here in verse 35, one of them, one of the Pharisees, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And so the Pharisees have got together, they've come up with what they think is the most complex, the most difficult, the most contested question, and they've put it to Jesus. Now, if... uh, I don't know about you, but when you look at this passage, you think, is that seriously the best they could come up with? They've said to Jesus, which of the laws do you think is the greatest? Uh, But this for them is a hugely contentious issue. You see, the Pharisees had 613 oral and written laws. They had taken these and they had not ranked them, they, there were 613, these were all, they believed God's word to them, and so they're all as, as uh, important and to be taken seriously. But what had happened was um, they had spent undoubtedly a long time arguing about which of these was the greatest. Now they saw some as being more weighty than others, obviously do not murder, um, might be a bit more weighty than, than some of the intricate food laws perhaps but they had no objective measure for, rate, for ranking them. No objective measure for, in God's eyes, understanding which of these was the most important. And so the truth was that if you got 50 Pharisees together, that you might have 50 different answers and 50 people as equally convinced that their answer is correct. And what Jesus does is he refers back to Deuteronomy the, the most quoted and memorized scripture for the Jews. And he says in verse 37, you must, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And then he says the second, to love your neighbor as yourself. And I want you to note, it might seem like an odd place to start as we are talking about this idea of being shaped by the Holy Spirit. But I want you to note that when Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? He puts two things and he says everything else comes from these things. Everything else is built on this foundation. It is love the Lord your God not with the work of your hands, not with the things that you can produce or the things that you can do, but not even love the Lord your God with your words, but love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul and all of your mind. Love him with the very Essence of who you are. That is what Jesus says to them. Now, I wonder how easy you find that. I wonder if you sat there this morning and thought, well, is that how I feel? Is that the reality of my life? Because if you're like me, uh, the practical side of faith I find so much easier. I find it so much easier to serve. I find it so much easier to do the doing things of faith, that the rhythms that we are called to, absolutely. But because they're tangible, because they're practical, because there are things that I can do, and I think that this is probably the story for many of us, and probably why so many people find safety not in grace, but in workspace religion, which says, here are the, here's the list, here are the boxes for you to tick, because there is safety in that. Because we can feel like we're doing faith. We feel like we're doing faith. But you see, right from the very start, God has been far more interested in what is happening in your heart, what is happening in your mind, and what's happening in your soul. Right back at the start of Scripture, when we look at the book of Genesis and we see God creating Adam and Eve, I wonder if you've noticed, and. I'm not sure if we've got the passage there, Tim. We may not. But in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, we read that what brings life to Adam and Eve is not the construction of their bones, not the way that their skin is formed, not the hair on their head. The thing that brings life to them is the very breath of God that is breathed into them. Genesis 2, 7 tells us that. And if you look at that Hebrew word that's used for the breath of God, na shama, it's also translated in the Hebrew, Hebrew scriptures as soul. So very much what it's saying is that the reality of what brought us to life was the breath of God breathed into us, the soul, this, the spirit, the eternal aspect of our being, not the physical. I mean, that's important. We've said that, but the breath of God. And I want to draw this distinction, and you'll have to go with me here and follow it. But I think many of us, when we think about who I am, who we are, we think of ourselves as a body with a soul, or a body with a spirit. But I'd actually say to you that we should be thinking of our lives and of who we are as a soul and a spirit with a body. I think that's an important distinction. I know I've just swapped those sentences around. But I think it's an important thing to see ourselves primarily as the eternal aspect of who we are, not the temporary physical aspect. And this is why it's so important that we think about this idea of formation. When we think about being shaped by the power of the Holy Spirit, what we're talking about is the internal, is these inner aspects, is these deep parts of our being being shaped and being formed. By the power of the Holy Spirit. And you see, it's so important because we could go to many, many places this morning, but throughout Scripture, we see that the wellness or the condition of someone's soul shapes their physical life. The wellness of someone's soul shapes their physical condition. You see uh, Paul in Ephesians, and you can turn there in your Bibles, Paul in Ephesians speaks to this idea of being transformed and being shaped and being well, not on the outside, but on the inside." And he says this, Ephesians 4:21, "Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which was corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit Renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Look at verse 23. Instead, let the Spirit be forming, be shaping your thoughts and your attitudes, the inner stuff. Put on your new nature. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy what is paul saying is he's, he's challenging the church in ephesus he's challenging you and he's challenging me to be formed by the power of the holy spirit from within to be reshaped into the likeness more and more into the likeness of god we see jesus deal with the inner uh, the inner part of our being affecting the external as well in luke chapter 10 and I'll give you a little bit of the context. You might know this passage, but Jesus and his disciples are out and they turn up at Mary and Martha's house. Now, it's likely that this was a very large group. And the culture at the time meant that if someone turned up at your house, that you were supposed to treat them and honour them as guests. And you're supposed to put on a meal for them and, and, and uh, let them relax and just bless them in that way. Now, that's probably maybe that's the way you treat guests in your house. Um, it's certainly, I know, I've been to some of your houses and I've been very blessed uh, with the different things that you've, you've honoured me with. But th- this was very much a tradition. And so Jesus, this incredible, uh, the, the people saw as this great rabbi. Uh, no one was like him. He was doing miracles. He was raising the dead. He was um, touching people and healing them. He had so much wisdom and a life that came from the very, his very words. And he turns up at Mary and Martha's house. Now I want you to picture yourself and place yourself in that scene because we see two very different responses. We see Martha. What does she do? She runs around. I wonder if you, do you, do you remember that old, very old spray and wipe where the mother-in-law or someone is, is coming and, and uh, the, the mother at the house just starts spraying things and gets the house clean. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's great. But Martha is like that. When I was looking at this text, I just was picturing the spray and wipe lady as being Martha because Martha runs around and she's getting the house sorted and she's in the kitchen and she's cooking. Um, And Mary is not like the spray and wipe lady. Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. Mary is listening to every word that he says. And if you know the story, Martha comes flying out. And she is enraged. She's so angry, she doesn't even speak to Mary. I wonder if, you're, maybe if you've got kids, whether they do that. They run out and they say in front of their sibling, Dad, can you tell grapes? To, it's my turn of the TV. That's what Martha, Martha does. She flies out and she says, Jesus, do something about Mary. She's left me to do all of the work. She's left me to do everything. I'm the one who's fulfilling what these requirements are to serve you and to prepare a meal. And Mary's just there. Tell her to help me. And we read in verse 41 of Luke chapter 10 that Jesus replies, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You see, Jesus points directly to the heart of the matter. It's not so much about the preparation. It's not so much about Martha's uh, trying to get this meal on the table. Jesus says, Martha, you are upset and worried about many things. About many things. In effect, he's saying, Martha, your soul is troubled. Your soul is troubled. But Mary has chosen the better thing. And if you look at what that better thing is, it's not being slack. It's not being lazy. It's not um, disregarding her duties. It's Mary has chosen in this moment to draw close to Jesus. Mary has chosen to listen to Jesus' words. Mary is being shaped by what Jesus is saying and it is shaping her soul and it is transforming her life. And that message is there for us as well. That Jesus has said the better thing, in fact the only thing, is to pursue the forming of Jesus, to pursue the shaping of Jesus' word in our life and letting that shape our spirit, letting it shape our soul. Now, it would be reasonable to say, well, if Jesus was physically here, I'd be happy not to worry about the chairs and not to worry about organising lunch. I'd be happy to just sit at his feet. But the physical Jesus isn't with us. But John 16 and verse 5 tells us something even better. You see, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he's flagging the fact that he'll be going. And and they're obviously, when they hear him talk like that, they're saying, no, you you can't go. But Jesus says that there is something better coming. There is something better coming, and I need to go so the Holy Spirit can come, the advocate can come and dwell in you. And that same thing is the promise for us that when we step into life in acknowledging Jesus as our Lord and Savior and understanding what He's done for us, that the promise there is that we'll also receive the Holy Spirit, that we have the work of the Holy Spirit. We don't have time this morning. I'm very mindful that we've got baptisms, which I'm super excited about. But in the book of Ephesians, and you can have a look there later, in Ephesians 5.8, and I want you to get this. This is a really important thing to note. In Ephesians 5.8, Paul is writing again to the church of Ephesus and he's imploring Christians who already have the Holy Spirit dwelling in their life He's imploring them to be filled with the Spirit. So get this, they've already got, they already know Christ as their Savior, so they already have the Holy Spirit dwelling in their life. But he's saying to them, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. You see, he's making this point, and you will see it through what he goes on to talk about in the way that he talks about the shaping of our lives, that we should be pursuing the filling of the Spirit in actively shaping and forming our souls. He's making this point that being filled with the Spirit is about this level or quality of a Spirit-empowered life, of a Spirit-empowered life that is perhaps sometimes more and sometimes less. You see, just like Mary and Martha both had Jesus in their home, only one of them was dwelling with him. Only one of them was at his feet being shaped. And you see, we can all be in church and some of us can be pursuing and being filled with the Spirit in the way that we are living a Spirit-empowered life because we're actively pursuing that. And you see, Scripture goes on and it is clear on the benefits of living a Spirit-filled life. It is absolutely clear on it. And throughout Scripture, we see that the Holy Spirit is talked about as the comforter. The Holy Spirit is talked about as a helper, as a guide, as the one who convicts us of sin, of the one who reveals the truth of God's word to us, of the one who empowers us with gifts that are both practical and miraculous, as the one who leads us into in this sinful world and with our sinful natures being able to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. We read about the shaping of the Holy Spirit as Evidence of this transformed life. If we go back to the start, what did we look at? We looked at Jesus saying, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That's a difficult thing to do. It's a difficult thing to do without the work of the Spirit. You see, the work of the Spirit in this sinful world with the sin that rises up within us. If we're not careful, it leads to everything but a love of God with our heart, with our soul, and with our mind. It leads to a love of the world, but the work of the Spirit enables us to love the Lord with our hearts, our minds, and our souls, and not just a part of it, not just a bit of it, but all of it. And so, as we've been doing each week, if you Look at the steps of this path. It asks us first to discern. It asks us first to discern. And this part of the path, you can look at it in the booklets, in your journals. But this part of the path asks us to say, God, which, which area of my life do I need to be growing in? Which area of my life do you want me to be pursuing you in intentionally now each day? And if for you that is the shaping of the spirit, I would encourage you to consider and discern. What is the state of my soul? How well is my soul? What is forming my thoughts? Is it anger? Is it rage? Is it other sinful behavior? What is forming my emotions? Are my emotions badly forming my thoughts? What is forming the habits of my life? Am I stuck in things that I just do because I do them and I haven't thought about them? Am I intentionally forming good habits in my life? What are the hidden areas of my heart that I haven't kind of sat with God and just laid them at his feet? Am I open in my day-to-day to the prompting and the nudging of the Spirit? Am I open to that? Or am I racing through life? Am I never intentionally seeking God to fill me with the Spirit that I'm racing through each day without ever being mindful that maybe the Holy Spirit might be nudging or shaping or prompting or prodding certain things, certain encounters, certain moments in my day? Is the gradual shaping of my life? Is the gradual shaping of my life reflecting an ongoing, developing maturity and holiness? Because that is an ongoing journey. I think some of us read the story of the amazing transformation of Saul. He goes from one day, murder of Christians, we think, to almost the next day, like right of a little chunk of the New Testament and this great missionary. But it isn't like that. That's an unrealistic thing. And if you look at uh, Paul's story, that isn't, it wasn't one day to the next at all. It was very much a different a different journey for him, a gradual shaping. And I think a lot of us are more like Peter, who one day is um, fervent for God, and the next day is, is uh, uh, making mistakes and, and saying I don't even know him and, and all kinds of stuff. It's a bit of an up and down, isn't it? But are you open and is your life reflecting an ongoing maturity and development? The second step of that is to learn. And this is the practical thing of going, Formation might be a fairly new idea to me or, or I'm not sure on uh, what the Holy Spirit does in my life. I'm not sure on what, the, what Scripture teaches me about the Holy Spirit. So learn, ask us to actually explore God's Word. Maybe it's to get to a connect group because in a couple of weeks' time they'll be doing a study on this topic and, and you'll be able to share and unpack and, and ask questions. But to actually get into Scripture and look at some of these key passages, and I can give you them later, that talk about the work of the Holy Spirit informing forming us from the inside. And the third step there is practice. And practice is the practical. And I'm going to give you the first suggestion for practice in terms of being formed. is not a very practical thing, but it is actually to develop, and this week to be intentional, about developing a pattern of quietness and stillness in your day. You see, one of the things I think is that we get out of bed, we get ready, we go to work, we come home, we cook dinner, we watch some TV, we get into bed and we do it all, and all over again the next day. But to be um, aware of the prompting of the Holy Spirit takes quietness and stillness in our days. It takes us intentionally stopping our own brains and saying, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to, to speak to me today? What area of my life today do you want to form and shape and, and change? What, what things are you putting in front of me uh, in this work meeting or in this lunch or, or as I go to the shops that you want me to, um, to be aware of? And so I'd encourage you in your practice to build some quietness and some stillness in your day. Secondly, this is a hard one. I'd encourage you this week to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal an area of sin in your life. Now that's kind of uncomfortable, isn't it? We want to avoid that. We want to ignore those things. But I'd encourage you this week to actually ask the Holy Spirit, would you prompt an area of sin in my life, maybe that I'm not even aware of, that I haven't dealt with, or I am aware of it, and it's just too good to want to give up whatever it is. And so ask the Holy Spirit, would you reveal this in my life? And thirdly, another practical thing you can do is Galatians 5.22 talks to us about the fruit of the Spirit. And maybe it is patience that you're struggling with, or maybe it is peace, or maybe it is self-control. Whatever it is this week, set about asking for the power of the Holy Spirit to be uh, working in your life, to be revealing those things, and then to be taking practical steps to, to uh, address those things and to reshape them. Shaz, would you come? We're going to wrap up now and we're going to have um, baptisms in just a moment. But the other thing that I was reflecting on this week, just quickly, is the second commandment was love your neighbor as yourself. And we spoke about a few weeks ago that Jesus made it really clear that your neighbor is not the person that's like you, it's not the person who's close to you, it's not just your friend, it's not just those people, but it's actually everyone. And, and your neighbor's also the person who is least like you that is most frustrating. That makes you the angriest in your street or in your workplace or in your family maybe. And yet Jesus tells us to love our neighbour as ourselves. That's a huge thing. And that can be really, really difficult. And I'd say to you that really the only way we can do that is because my human nature doesn't want me to love annoying people. It doesn't want me to love people who make me angry, who who, uh, do things that inconvenience me. And if you're like me, your sinful nature probably uh, does the same thing. But what we are called to in this new nature that we take on when we step into life with Jesus is to be formed by the Holy Spirit, to be reshaped and readjusted, to be able to love not just the person who's like me, but also the other people who I have no hope of ever doing me good, Jesus caused me to love them. And I tell you what, the only way we can do that is by being transformed from the inside, by having the Holy Spirit shape our life. So we're going to pray today. Uh, We are going to do um, baptisms in just a moment. What we'll do is we'll have about five, ten minutes, and we're going to gather out there just around the side. There's a little pool, which uh, Troy has been the lifeguard of, so thank you, Troy. Um, So we're we're going to head out there. Um, if you need to go that's okay that's fine but i'd really encourage you if you can stay part of baptism is the declaration of people in front of their community their church of saying i have decided and so i'd encourage you to stick around for that we'll we'll get together in about 10 out there but we're going to pray this morning and like we did last week i'd encourage you if this is an area of your life where uh, you just really want to be open to the work of the holy spirit maybe Uh, you you want to say, yep, this week, I just want to build some quietness. Or I want to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. I want to be living a Spirit-empowered life. I'd encourage you to come as I pray. You can come out the front. James, I've got to go and get changed quickly, but James is going to come forward and maybe Katie, if she can, um, and pray for people if people want prayer. And so why don't we pray together? And if you want to come, let's stand to our feet. Let's close the service as we pray. And if you want to come, why don't you come and we'll pray with you, specifically into this area. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for the way that the Holy Spirit shapes and guides and leads. We thank you for this promise that when we're filled with the Spirit, that we have a Spirit-empowered life. We thank you that when we turn to you and when we seek you, Lord God, that you are not absent, but that you are found, that you are there. Holy Spirit, that you are in this place right now, that you're dwelling in our hearts and in our lives. So Lord, I pray this morning for those who who might be really wanting to pursue this area of the path this week, that you would uh, just really prompt that in our lives, that you would help us to build patterns and rhythms and routines, that Holy Spirit, that you would be ever-present That as we go about our day to day, that we would be open to your prompting, to your nudging. That we wouldn't be living in our own strength, that trying to run this race uh, in our own might. But that we would be fully relying on you. So we pray that today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.